Now, we all know there's tons of different CBDs out there, right? Well, there's one that you guys need to try, Hemparita. Simply go to iHemparita.com, click the link right in the description, get the best CBD gummies and the best CBD shooters you can get. I'm telling you, I have some right here. Look, there's a shooter. There's the gummy. One of these gummies is one serving. Half of this shooter is one serving. iHemparita.com. I'm going to look. Hemparita. Get you some. Use promo code search 30 when you cash out. Save yourself 10%. Save yourself 10%. iHemparita.com. The link is right in the description. Promo code serves 30 being cash out. Save yourself 10%. Do it. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. And real quick, just to show people, Chase Dudley, director. I've had him on before. And we had an amazing conversation. What we talked about, honestly, I don't remember. Because <laughs> I feel like I feel like me and you recorded twice together. And one of the episodes was on my computer crash before I can even let it go. And that was like the really oh, awesome conversation. This is like before the whole live, way before the live thing. Oh, yeah. But I, I really like the uh, the live aspect um, of everything. And I really like the, the background of your layout, man. It's really awesome. Thank you, man. I actually got to credit my boy, Aaron. My boy, uh, Aaron, a.k.a. Dreams. He made this up for me. Yeah, that's great. Stuff up, yeah. He's he does um, what is it? Photography. That's the word. <laughs> he does photography, and then like, you know, of course, editing and all that with Photoshop and all that fun stuff. So he made this up for me. So shout out to him. But again, man, yeah. glad to have you here. It's been over. It's been what? It's about two years, I think. Two years. Two, wow. Yeah, two years. We talked. We talked not long after um, I wrapped Beast of the Field, and we shot that uh, fall of 2018. It's been yeah. a, it's been a good minute. Time's, flown, time's really flown. So, holy crap! It really has. It really has. So, how is how is everything though, man? Like, how is how are you well, most? And then, how's the filming going? Well, the filming is going unbelievably great. Um, it's just really good as any artist to create again, you know, with the pandemic, just everything closing down and um, just kind of, you know, standing in your homes. This really gave me a lot of time to uh, reevaluate which film I really want to do. Um, you know, um, it, it's just crazy uh, because, you know, I got so many projects that is pushed towards me, and I, I read so many fantastic scripts. Sometimes it's really hard for me to pick and choose which project that um, I want to shoot next because I will have something in my mind that I want to do next, and then something will come along, and I'm like, "Ooh, man!" And I'll bug my wife uh, and my friends, of, "Which one sounds better?" And I pitch all ideas into. Um, but like, I, I just wish I had like the Marvel train going where I can have like so many people doing, you know, like several projects at once, but that's not the case yet. Uh, so I love, I love that you said that it's not the case yet. Yes. Well, I'm a, I'm a big firm believer of manifesting, um, 
what you want into your life. Uh, I do firmly believe in the laws of attractions of what you seek and what you think about the universe responds in uh, vibrations, whether it's positive or negative into your life. So I'm, I'm a living proof of that. Um, me and my wife started off from, you know, literally funding everything ourselves into meeting uh, amazing people like Shana, uh, Shana Curtis and, and uh, Sue Kriegel uh, that really believes in us and, and, and doing whatever it can is to really help. Um, you know, uh, Will Wells is really awesome. Uh, just meeting people, meeting people who really truly believe in what you're trying to do and they help you out in any way, short shape or form to make sure that happens. Um, you know, I've been very, very blessed over the years. That's that's always a great thing. Like, for one, the most important thing, which I think is a great message for everybody out there, believe in yourself. Don't even worry about people believing you up, but believe in yourself. But it's also an awesome thing once you do have that belief in yourself and you're actually shooting for it, and then people believe in you and they see how you are and they're like, I really want to help this person. Like, I'm going to help this guy out any way I can. Whether that being donating a dollar to a film, spreading the word about a film, just anything in general. And that's one thing I love about the horror community. I'm learning that more and more over the years of being more, not some, well, I guess you could say more involved in as far as doing a podcast for it. Yeah, our, um, be- horror community is just something yeah. uh, beyond any other genre. Uh, they, they are a lot more forgiving. They, um, they, they are, they just want to be entertained and just as long as you be creative they will ignore every flaw that you make and they will still love your movie. I mean, look at Halloween. It wasn't the prettiest looking film, but over 40 something years, that film still holds up very well as one of the best horror movies of all time. And, you know, John Carpenter had a very micro budget of shooting that film. And, uh, but people still to this day love that movie. And, um, I do hundred percent agree with what you're saying with, um, believing in yourself, because I'm a big firm believer. If you don't believe in yourself, how can you convince anybody else to believe in what what you're trying to do? If you don't believe it, it all starts with you. Exactly. And I I know there's times in life where you have, you know, your down moments, everybody has those down moments and self doubts where you need those other ones to kind of pull you up or, (laughs) and there's one or two ways because some people, they need that tough love, like get your ass up and kick you in the ass. And some people like, yo, listen, come on, get up. I'm gonna hold your hand and walk you through this. And some, yeah. need, a little, some need one or the other. Some need a little bit of both. I feel like uh, more- I, I take a little bit of both too. Cause my wife, um, she is, uh, uh, she's been my business partner since two, uh, 2015. And, um, she is a very, very, uh, hard worker, motivated woman. You know, she is 100% proof. She's not watered down. She's going to be real with you. She's going to be, give you our honest opinion. And um, by her have by me having her in my life with that uh, straight bluntness uh, really have uh, made me and shaped me into the man I am today, whether it's the blunt, cold-hearted truth. Uh, it stings at first sometimes, but uh, you, you really want people in your corner really being honest with you, not uh, telling you what you want to hear because, and we all have aspects about us that are great, but we also have aspects about us that we can work on. Oh, yeah. And I'll add on to that. I'll say the ones that are doesn't mean they don't need work. That just means- Oh, absolutely. That for me, that just means, well, in my opinion, I'll say, I'll say for me, but for in my opinion, that means that it's just easier to come by, so to speak, for you. Mm-hmm. Like easier for you, to achieve, easier for you to come by, but you can still get better at it. 
you could be great at oh, it, yeah. better at it. But you're right about the whole like. There's certain things that people are just like, look, this is what you really need to work on, like, and I can help you with that because I'm good at this. You yeah. suck at that piece. Yeah. <laughs> Well, see, and the thing is, with filmmaking, that's really all it is. Um, you you are really um, taking a whole bunch of talented people from all kinds of different departments, and you're utilizing their talents, and you're meshing it together uh, for the greater good. And te- filmmaking is literally a team sport, and that's uh, something that I have always acknowledged. Um, that's why when I work with um, you know, actors like when I talked to Robert Mukes and Amber Don Fox, uh, which I love working with Amber Don Fox, but uh, I love talking with, you know, actors and letting them know that um, I understand how, you know, I gave you this role when you, you're doing all the studies and you're in the mind of the character that I hired you to play and how important that is uh, for you to, to, you know, make your notes on things that you see of the character. And I always ask people that are playing a part, well, how Oh, I think he froze for a second, people. So we didn't boot him. This is right when the conversation's getting really deep, too. Really good. Let me give him some time. Matter of fact, let me tell him. You froze on my end, man. Try um, going out and coming back in if you can, if it'll let you. Little technical difficulties, people, but nothing we can't handle, right? Ah. Hello. Out there. Oh, he'll be back, people. And just in case he needs a link again. Or no, it's in his email. Yeah, you got the message. Said peeps just having uh hang on. Yeah, we did, man. See if it'll let you uh click the link in click the link again. I'm still in here. So so if it'll let you click the link, just see if you can click the link again. This is like the love hate relationship we all have with technology. But you know how that goes. We all know how that goes. But the show will go on. My guy Chase will be back in a couple of minutes. Just wait and see. I need some more damn water. It's hot up here. How's the weather, everybody? Wherever you're at.
hate this damn glare, but. See if he comes back. Close that. Excuse me. Give us some more time, peeps. Don't worry. We're going to get this going again. Damn, it's hot up here. Everything is great, man. Thanks for stopping in. Whoever is watching and listening still, again, having a little technical difficulties, going to give it a few more minutes and see what happens. But uh, everybody go check out Press, Press Play Streaming Studios. Awesome podcast. And yes, we will be working together in the near future. So go check them out.
Hey, Phil, what's up, man? How's it going? Go follow up Phil's creepy videos. Awesome videos all the time, people. He always has some dope content out there. Go follow him on YouTube right now. And again, like I said, I'm going to give this a few more minutes. Some technical difficulties and see what happens. But I can let you guys know what's going on later on while we are waiting. Later on this evening. 9 o'clock Eastern time to be exact. Over on Popcorn and Pints, we will be reviewing these two movies. The Notebook, which was long as fuck and rocky. That'll be fun. And interesting. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Yeah, same here, man. I watched it last night with the wife. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I got to watch it again, though, just to kind of really, like, get it down, you know? Watch it, see if there was anything that I missed from the first time watch. That's one of those movies I feel... Well, this universe is one of those universes, these movies, this whole Conjuring universe, I feel is one you got to watch, especially if you're a fan of them, of course. You got to watch them a few times just to kind of really, really get everything with it. And <clears throat> yeah, but I do agree that it was a good movie. It was a good movie. I just want to watch it to really get my thoughts on it, see if anything changes, if I like it more or less. It is... As far as like the Conjuring titles go, I like the original, the first Conjuring the best. I like them the way they came out, first, second, and third. As far as the Conjuring titles go, not even the whole universe Conjuring titles. Oh, I was gonna say something else too. Rewatch it Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, I I may do the same around that time, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, I might try to do the same. Watch rewatching it again on Monday, Monday or Tuesday. Chase is going to try to come back right now, guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just to be safe. Sent.
Did you watch the Conjuring universe in chronological order, or did you watch them like as they came out, or both? I did both. Oh, this, I don't know if this fan's making it better or worse. Also, I may be gaming tonight at around midnight Eastern time. A few, you know, my peeps, Zombie Army 4 at midnight. That'll be fun to tune into that. Oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me again. More water.
Oh man. Time is it? I'll give it till the half hour mark. <clears throat> so about six more minutes. More or less. A little more, if anything. He's back. Awesome. Hey, man. Welcome back. I think. I hope. Oh, I can't hear you. There's a settings wheel at the bottom. You might have to change your sound settings. Can you hear me now? Yep. Uh, I love technology, but sometimes it can be really annoying. I said something similar to that i was like it's like a love-hate relationship <laughs> it is let me walk let me log out of all of my wi-fi's on my phone because i uh i don't got the highest version of uh wi-fi on my computer or um, on, like for uh, <laughs> spectrum and it just still seems that it's not enough for um how much we all go through internet so just give me one second i'm logging out of my wi-fi yeah, Hopefully that makes a difference. I logged out of that Wi-Fi, and now I'm logging out of this one. I had my second laptop just in case I couldn't get this one back on there. So I was doing this damn interview one way or another. I see, and I like that, man. I like that. Yeah, I'm more like hands-on with my phone. My wife is more computer savvy. Yeah, I was. So I had I Call her for support. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong, especially with the conversation we were having earlier, you know, earlier. Oh, yeah. So I am logging off all Wi-Fi's, and uh, we're not going to have this issue no more. <laughs> oh, man, I was scared. I was like, oh, no, this will be the day. I looked forward to this all for the last few weeks. This would have been our luck, too, because like we were saying earlier, the one episode we had that just mm -hmm. – my computer, like I hit you up like a day or two, like, yo, I'm so freaking sorry. My computer just turned it on, blue screen. Yeah. Gone. I'm like, son of a, why? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I understood. And now that I think about it, it didn't happen until you mentioned that. That's true. Well, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. Great yeah. thing happened after that. Every we Absolutely. All like I said, the laws of attraction. <laughs> yeah, what's up, man? Hey, John Henderson. Now, I got a quick question. Did you, the conjuring thing? Yep. 
Did you watch the whole universe, right? Including I watched the whole universe in chronological order. I did like it a lot better than the first time that I did watch it, but the Conjuring Three, um, I did like it. But you can this goes to show how good of a director James Wan is. You did not feel his presence that really made the first two films unique. And although I did like the third film and um, and a lot of the elements sung to it, but it did not hold a candle to the first two. Oh, definitely not. Oh, yeah. definitely not. And it, it's something that I do, like part three I have to revisit just to kind of get that second viewing, that second feeling of it. Oh yeah, because I mean, sometimes you, like that was like The Quiet Place too. The first time I watched it, I did not enjoy it as much as I did the second time. Mm -hmm. um, I like to personally watch movies alone first before I go with my uh, my wife and kids. Because a lot of times my kids are constantly asking questions, and I'm like, I'm yeah. trying to figure this out myself. Let's watch the movie, and I'm sure it's going to explain it. Uh, <laughs> but they 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 ask a million and one questions. And, mm -hmm. uh, but John Krasinski, well, I mean his. His vision was just incredible, and just the fact that you know he's more of a comedic actor, and then you're just starting to see this rise of uh, comedic actors are starting to direct uh, some pretty dark stuff, and they're doing really good at it. Uh, Jordan Peele, the same, oh, yeah. you know, uh, the movie Get Out was just absolutely incredible, and it's such a realism movie that I can relate to because I've always um, dated outside of my race and just. Just like if I was experienced that it was just the universal moments of meeting, you know, your your significant other's parents and wondering how they're taking it in. And, you know, it's just always an awkward presence. And then if you've seen the things that was in the movie Get Out, that would make it even more significantly odd. Um, I just thought Jordan Peele did such a really wonderful job with that movie. Um, oh, yeah. just, yeah. It's really one of my favorite movies in the last 10 years. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It's something I have to revisit myself. And then as far as us, I got to watch that all the way through because I watched it. Like my wife had it on and I caught it like from the middle to the end. So I got to watch uh, yeah, it. I can never do that. I, if it's a movie that I'm not even watching, I want to watch, I would just completely ignore it. Man in Black, Black Laser Flash myself. Won't even bother because I don't like, um, I like knowing what's going on and I like the ordeal of, um, Knowing from start to finish and how I process, and that's why a lot of times, if I can, I would watch uh, a lot of movies alone. Like, and yeah. especially yeah. the good thing is now, um, one benefit of the COVID nineteen is like a lot of uh, movies are now being released on HBO Max, and a lot of the streaming services are, you know, you're, I'm able to view sometimes at home, and sometimes it it, uh, it the cinematic experience would never die or nor it would ever compare. But sometimes I do like watching movies uh, alone at home versus watching it in a theater full of people because sometimes uh, things that our people are doing, whether they go into the bathroom and coming in and then sitting down or they check their cell phone, there's a certain amount of things that just kind of draw me away from the movie that I like to focus at home. I hear you. Uh, now, when my wife was getting a little feedback. Yeah, I heard that. I was like, ooh, please let that be on my, my end. When my, when my wife was, we usually try to go for uh, matinee times because it's, there's like nobody. For, oh, well, yeah. And then two, there's like nobody there, especially like the young. I, I feel so old when I say this, but the teenagers, the jerks that are talking through the whole damn movie because the parents paid for it. I'm not going to go on that rant. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Because I, uh, there's just a lot of things with movies that you got to pay attention to. Yeah. The, the, uh, the certain shots and the angles that they wanted you to feel psychologically. This is so much uh, psychology that goes in the film that I think a lot of times people, it, it really overlooks most audiences. And that's why I'm very selective of who I really watch movies with. Uh, like my best friend, um, Kenny Combs, uh, we go to we usually go to a lot uh, to watch a movie by ourselves, and we just kind of take it all in because we don't talk to the movie. We it's kind of like the hidden rule you just don't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my yeah. wife, like, especially for horror, because we horror, and then you know the other genres as well. But especially for horror, we'll just sit there and just watch a movie in awe and just like wow. And these the thing about the whole Conjuring universe is the majority of the majority of them pre pandemic. If not all, I believe all of them we went and seen in theaters pre-pandemic, and mm-hmm. that's what we talked about the pandemic. It was like it it ruined that tradition of it was for Conjuring. And yeah, for- I seen yeah. every one of them at the movie theater, and uh, I'm very blessed to say that I seen absolutely every one. Um, my favorite mo- uh, movies out of the Conjuring universe in chronological order, without a doubt, is the very first Conjuring. Uh, it was without a doubt just oh my god just James Wan just really captivated me and it was one of the very first movies in a long time of his that really um, scared me uh, and it was it was really really well done and he should be very proud and then of course I love The Conjuring two and then followed behind that is Annabelle uh, creation that. Uh, Annabelle Creation was just something magnificent. It was the strongest film out of the uh, trilogy, in my opinion. Um, and it's funny because a lot of people say it's a sequel, but it was more or less a prequel. Um, so, yeah, it was very much a prequel if you think about it. But of course, I, I, I don't know if everybody's seen this. So I don't want to go spoilers there, but it, it definitely uh, took place before the first one. Oh yeah. And that's what I love. That's what I love about this universe and like watching it in the chronological order, because then you have a different appreciation for the whole you entire. Do. Um, Cause the first time I seen the nun, uh, you saw me on a, a comment on a post about it. I wasn't a really big fan. I didn't disrespect or bash the movie cause I'd never do that as an artist. Um, but when you told me to watch in a chronological order and I went back and watched it again, it, it did make it a lot more refreshing and I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, so I was glad that you recommended that. I I, I got to credit my wife who found the list and she did it last weekend, I believe. She watched all of them. And I was just like bouncing. I, I didn't have time to sit and watch them all. With I was like out and about. So I, I worked from home. So I watched it yeah. this whole week. I was watching them. For you guys that are in the Horror Research 30 group, you've seen me posting them every day, watching at least one or two a day. Yesterday, I think I went through, like, what did I do? I did Conjuring 2, Conjuring 3, of course, La Llorona. I did at least three of those movies yesterday. <laughs> yeah. See, and, and um, yeah, I, I, I wish they would have got the guy who directed Annabelle uh, Creation to come back for um, the Conjuring 3. I think he could have done... I think he probably fed off James Wan as, as the best they could. Um, I just, you know, again, not, you know, bashing anything. I just think that the director for um, Anna, or Annabelle, The Conjuring 3, uh, I just, I, um, it just felt like a whole different tone because even if you watch Annabelle Creation, it felt like more like a Conjuring movie than the other um, Conjuring movies in the universe. And, 
I just kind of was hoping to feel more of the conjuring. And I think the reason why another thing is too, my uh, anticipation was highest was because the conjuring three was long overdue. Um, yeah, I was, expecting, yeah. I was expecting that to come out before Annabelle um, comes home and then, you know, the pandemic. So we were holding on another year. So it was one of those things. It was a really long wait. And then what we got, I just was like, oh, man, you know, it's kind of like looking at that menu, the Burger King for the, the triple Whopper. And it looks all juicy and moist and you just want to eat it. And then when you get it, it's all shriveled up. And like, yep. Is it like that? <laughs> I didn't order this. I didn't order this. <laughs> no. But no, it's, it's, it's one of those it's things. Those things. For me, I'll say the Conjuring the Three and La Llorona were the weakest two out of the whole universe, and okay. I feel like the tone of the stories were just different. They were yeah, just again, were I them trying to be different, but you know, in order to be a Conjuring movie, you kind of have to follow a certain theme and tone. It's like it's no different. different yeah, it makes an album. The album kind of goes along with the tone of the album name. And um, I just felt like the tone was completely, it, was, it felt more like a drama movie, uh, more so than a, a horror movie. It didn't feel like yeah. a horror movie at all. Um, you know, it's just, I thought the anticipation could have been a lot more uh, built up. And um, that, but again, it's, it's not the director's fault. Of course, sometimes the studios are a little too impatient. They want to pump out the, the sequels. And I think they really should have just waited for James Wan to be direct, um, to direct it. That's what I think that they should have done. If it were me, um, and I want to really make sure the sequel uh, overdue, you know, definitely is better than the other one. I would have waited and just probably um, waited till he was available. I'm sure um, they could have worked together, communicated with that when he was available again. I agree. I would just do the whole series. <laughs> the whole thing. Hey, listen, I don't know how many of these movies you guys want to do, but we want you to do them because yeah, it's just so weird because you know the it seemed like in the '90s it was the sequel curse where the the sequel was just really hard uh, to beat. Um, and now sequels seem to be doing a lot better. Uh, even in some cases, some sequels are better than the first ones. But like yeah. now, it almost seems like that trilogy mark is the um, pivotal point of where no one can just seem to produce it well. Um, you know, it's, it's it's very hard. It's weird. It used to be the sequels, and now it's the trilogies. I mean, see, I'm in the middle with that because, like. Again, I mean, I, I guess it look if it depends on how you're looking at the conjuring. You like if you're talking about the conjuring, if you're looking at the universe as like a series, kind of sort of just with different titles, mm -hmm. or a franchise, just saying that with different titles. Yeah. Versus like, because I know there's conjuring one, two, three, but they're all part of that one big. So I I count that as like a big franchise type of thing, similar to like the Marvel movies. Like yes, I know there's Iron Man, there's Captain America, but it's one to me, it's one big franchise. And you know, some stories, of course, you like. A lot more than others. Some stories just like I, I watch it. Movies is definitely the Captain America trilogy. Um, out of all of the Marvel films, the Captain America trilogy, each one significantly outdone the other. And um, what they got planning on doing now is just very ph phenomenal. Just the fact that if you look at twenty years ago, none of this would have been possible. This would have done. And then you got to really uh, give credit to Steve Jobs for selling. Um, uh, you know, um, Marvel to Disney. So 
if it would have never been for Steve Jobs, I mean, we would have never gotten this uh, amount of awesomeness. So, yeah, so I, I do agree if you look at it as a series. Yeah, like some, it's kind of hit and miss. I just wish that um, some movie, it, it just seems like that they're almost told not better the first two conjurings because it just seems like the con uh, Annabelle creation, we got so close. Like so close because the ending of Annabelle Creation, like it probably was the, probably uh, the best ending out of all of the movies. Um, when you really realize how that ties in with the first one and then all of that, you're just like, holy moly. Um, but yeah. Um, and then I went back and watched the first Annabelle and I was like, man, this is this is pretty underrated. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, it's I guess. Things, it's just one, of, but I do appreciate what they have done as as a series, though, because in a horror element world, it really hasn't been done as much. Um, and I, I mean, as a fan, it's it's um, pretty neat to see though how they're putting us all together. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. To wrap our conversation, the universe, watching that chronological order, just makes it. It makes it so much as a whole. It makes it so much better. And then when, because when you do that, and you know, especially if you do it like the way I'm, just, I'm not saying the way that I did it, as far as like every day, but you do it close together, so you don't forget things, and you see things popping up in other movies. Oh shoot, I seen this in the past two movies. That's so dumb how they kind of. Yeah. It's like each, it's like each one they show a certain scene for a few of the movies, and each movie goes a tad bit deeper until that movie to it really it shows you that whole scene and. That's awesome. Now, oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's human nature to miss things. And then sometimes you'll go back as, um, you know, watch everything in chronological order. And then something that may not make sense on that previous movie, you go back and now that they actually have more, you might actually miss something. You're like, oh, man, so that's what they were setting up. Yeah. yeah so I 100% agree with that. But let's get back to what you do, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I can talk movies all day, and, and that's one thing man, I, I don't actually show. I don't know, like, how your schedule is during the week, which we could talk behind the scenes, of course, but I would like to get you on for a movie review with us one of these days. We do okay. Tuesdays and Thursdays, 9 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, and no, that, that would be great. I have a – so we have a horror wheel. Just spin the wheel. Whatever movie it picks is what we review. It's just easier than like, yo, what do you want to review next week? So we came up with a wheel. But yeah, man, that would be, it'd be great. I, like, I would like to get others out there, horror fans in general, but it would be cool to get some more like directors on here. Because it's one thing to talk to you guys about like making a movie, but it's another to see your guys, how you guys break down a, a just a random horror movie. You know what I mean? Right. Especially if it's something you've never seen before. That I'm just oh, like, how it's, it's like it's really so weird how you process things and especially as an artist it's really hard to go back and watch anything as a fan because you cannot help but think of how you had done that uh, and that's like a blessing and a curse in itself um because i see how a lot of people just really enjoy a movie and they don't make nothing of it i think on a lot of things like element uh wise and like does that really work how would i have done it the tone uh, and then those made me uh, think about the processes of, you know, how I go into a movie, like, you know, like a lot of uh, 80 movies, um, how somebody would just get like brutally murdered. And then like five minutes later, that same character that is witness that is like cracking a joke and laughing. Um, yeah. Like, do someone really act like that when somebody just got like brutally murdered? So 
it's just about like tone. And I think that's the reason why I love uh, psychological thrillers, which is kind of my cup of tea when I, when I usually direct a movie, because mm -hmm. I get a little bit of element of horror as well as more dramatic. Uh, so me, I feel like psychological thrillers kind of have more of a process of breaking down more of a dramatic story, but then having horror aspects into your film, uh, you get a really good blend of both. Um, and I think that's kind of, I didn't even realize I had that, um, that psychological tone until, um, Brandon Long, um, from pop horror wrote an article on me and we were talking about how I seemed, I really seem to, uh, really enjoy doing uh, movies based off of human evil. And I was like, I didn't even know that about myself, but he is a hundred percent right. And uh, it's really nice that sometimes somebody would notice something that you don't even know that you're doing. Because um, we as humans, we are so complicated as a, as a whole um, on how we are. And I just feel like um, psychological thrillers is, is so many so many topics you can touch on that this raises a very interesting story because humans, um, we, are, we have, uh, we're pretty complex in a lot of ways, you know? Agre yeah, we are. And just really quick with your part, like your your psychological thrillers. Mm -hmm. I like those. I do feel like they do tell the better stories than my favorite. My favorite is just slasher, but that's like what I feel like that's what we were all introduced to for the most part when it comes to horror, especially like oh, yeah. the eighties stuff. And I just that just always that's always gonna be my favorite. But I know they're not the best. The eighties were just really uh, it's a whole different uh, time period yeah. of, you know what what like you know you got the freddies which that was a really nice uh new era of horror movies of you know i was so afraid of watching freddy growing up that you know my mom my brothers my dad uh it took like several people to hold me under that bathtub because i was convinced freddy was gonna reach up and pull me under uh, you know, and, and they still bring that up when I go to family events and stuff like that of how um, upset everybody was and how drenched I made them a day of um, this because I was terrified that Freddie was going to get me, you know. Hey. And see, that's that is one thing I do miss a tad bit about being like that childhood imagination, because when you watch mm -hmm. They genuinely scare you. Nowadays, you might get you know you might jump from a jump scare or whatever. Oh yeah, you're not scared. You're just like oh. Whatever. No, it's, I think a lot of filmmakers today, um, it's kind of more um, playing it safe. And I, I noticed like a lot of movies today is it's kind of like, uh, especially I noticed with the Disney live action movies like the Lion King remake. It's just like less risks that are taken so much today as opposed to us growing up and you're watching stories that really went there. It was just a lot more creativity involved. And like today you're seeing a lot of the same um, styles, the same formula, the same oh, uh, things. And like the other thing I feel that like today about filmmaking that's better today than uh, maybe, you know, 30, 20, 30 years ago is movies look really pretty, but you know, back then in the day, I would take a, a really interesting story that might not be the prettiest over a movie who looked, looks really pretty that this is a very safe looking movie um and about like that's kind of like with my films i love to take risk of uh what don't work i like to not do something that um that i mean of course it's almost impossible to do an original idea but what you could do is take an idea that maybe have been done but also 
go into another direction with it and see yeah. if it can work with that. And I'd rather for my film to to do that and not work as well versus um, they look just like another movie and, and then me saying I'm paying homage to that because that's what inspired me. And it's just like, it's okay to be inspired, but I feel like if you're going to, I, I don't like looking like I copied somebody else's movie. Um, I tried to be my own unique uh, voice. And I think that's why Christopher Nolan, James, I think that's why James Wan uh, is so unique as a filmmaker today is because he does, um, you can tell the movies that he's inspired from growing up, like The Exorcist and The Poltergeist, but he still puts his own spin to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you a movie that James Wan did that I even liked better than The Conjuring. And I, I told this to everybody. Um, I don't care what nobody said. Insidious, to me, was a better film. See, and... You're not wrong for your opinion, even though I do. I like I like content better, but both great, great films. Insidious, I like, I like the idea behind it of that it's not necessarily a haunted house or paranormal. It's literally a dimensional aspect to it, and there's uh, astral projection and stuff like that. That to me is more interesting of a story because I felt like us as um, as movie watchers, we really haven't explored. Uh, that aspect of a story as much, and um, I felt like the first two Insidious was very interesting in that aspect of uh, wanting to know a little bit more about that. I just felt like the 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 story was just really really more fresh, and um, there was just things about it. The Conjuring, I would admit, was scarier, but I liked the story of Insidious. Uh, it taught me a lot more. Okay, yeah, no, I, see, I do see what you're saying there, and that yeah, I would agree with you. The Conjuring was scarier and funnier. With the clapping thing, and I say this because I remember, I still remember watching it in the theaters with the, with my wife, and just seeing that I was laughing so hard because I just knew. You see the hands, and I laughed, but my son, uh, he's going to be very upset for me for leaving this. He peed his pants oh. as a movie theater on that part, and it took him a week uh, to sleep in his room again. He literally slept in my room and would not sleep on his own. And that reminded me of my experience when I watched Poltergeist, when the tree grabbed uh, the little boy. My mm-hmm. grandmother like grabbed me at that exact moment and just swinging and fighting. And, and I thought there was a tree getting me. So uh, it was just really neat seeing a movie do that to my son. And, and just, you know, they, they every time we watch these movies, they're terrified. You know, they start. Speaking of your, your son or children, you know how many you have, like getting them into horror, was that hard? I know there's some kids that no, um they it seems like it was instinctive for them. Uh, it's like they were like, What are we watching tonight? And it, like my daughter's more of a horror fan, uh, more so than my son. My daughter can't get enough of it. She doesn't jump. She just I mean she gets like scared of some things, but most of the stuff she's just like I need to it's like she can read it really well, and uh, my son will be more of the, the chicken, uh, more so um, than my daughter. But they they love horror movies. That's awesome. That's so awesome because I, I, yeah, it's, it's like a, an incredible way to bond. Yeah, it is. It's. I was asking that though because I don't like from when I was growing up. I'm like 35, so I'm sure we're around the same era ish. But when yeah. we were, when we were growing up, there was more ch- kids that were into horror movies than now, or at least that I see now. 
but I'm not 100% sure on that. And then it, it's awesome to hear, like, when I have people on, like, yeah, my kids love horror movies and this, that, and a third, because I think it's, I, I think it's such a, an awesome genre that can tell yeah. so many different stories. Like, I feel like horror is the only genre that can go in literally any direction and not be wrong. And you're not, you may be like, why am I watching this? But you're going to, someone's going to tune in for oh, yeah. it. Absolutely. And then, like, it's funny because, like, you, I, I try to make sure when I do watch it, I try to make sure I have a clear mind because if you watch a movie and you got it on your mind or something's bothering you, you really may not like the movie as much as like having a clear conscience and then watching something in the same position. Mm-hmm. Quite a few times where I w- was not in the best mood and I watched the movie and I'm like, I didn't like it. And then, like, somebody's like, You didn't like it? You should really check that out. And I watched it again. I'm like, Yeah, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> You know, there's been plenty of movies where it's been like that. For me, it's been more of high expectations. Like the move. So, and here's here's why I I am getting better and better. Besides podcasting, of course, podcasting definitely helped me with this. But um, ignoring social media because what happens? Yeah, social media is the worst um, when it comes to um, a movie up, making a movie up, or watching somebody else's theories because. You can watch it and, and you can really get into that and get caught up into some expectations. And then when the movie actually took its own way, you may not appreciate what they were doing as much because you've been hyped up to believe that this was going to happen. And then they went with this idea. And it's like we kind of grown into a generation where nothing is satisfying. Um, it's like we we all have some uh, complaint that we're looking for for film. Um and that's why, you know, the last few films that I've made, I, I haven't really, um, I kind of watch on how much I, I hype a film or, because a lot of people who's going to launch a movie is going to watch it. Um, but I try um, to really limit um, how much I hype something because, of course, um, it's just, you know, one of those things, a lot of times when I really haven't really seen much promotion of some things and I go in not knowing what to expect, it's been some of the mm-hmm. best experiences. That was actually my experience with Get Out. I didn't watch reviews or nothing. See, that's that's good though. That's, that's true. Like going in, I try my best to go in with zero expectations, especially because I, I'm a podcast and I review movies. So I'm like, oh yeah, I, I go in with zero expectations, and then I give my honest opinions. Like if I hate a movie, I'm gonna say I hate it. I try my best <laughs> to be positive because I know it is an art form, but I look at it like it's really hard to make a movie good or bad. Uh, one of those things is like it's so. Important to really um, get people's inputs, uh, especially a crew on if they feel like something works. And um, yeah, yeah. Like, you know. like for me, what I like I said, I try my best if I can to pull positives out of movies or something. I just cannot do it. And I don't want to, but I'll never. Here's my thing: if I love a movie or if I hate a movie, I'll never tell anybody not to watch that movie because I didn't like. Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. I, I hate when I see that on IMDb. Do not watch this movie. It is awful. It's like it's your perception. Thing is, yeah, that's the incredible thing about perceptions. Your opinion is not a fact. It might be valid to other people, but it's still at the end of the day just an opinion. Exactly. Um, you can't be mad at somebody for their opinion. And that's why I love my best friend Kenny because anytime we agree or disagree on anything, we're like, okay, if we disagree to disagree, and that's the end of it. And then he's like one of the very few people I can do that with. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people, when you don't agree, they still would argue their point. Um, for like hours in, and it's like, okay, we're still not changing each other's mind. So why are we continuing yeah. to talk? About this? Like, <laughs> I and I, I get that to an extent where it's like you're having a conversation, 
especially especially on a format like this where you're having a conversation like you don't want you know what i mean you want to go back and forth but it's like you don't want it to be an argument through the whole freaking conversation or episode yeah, i can i love the debate but of course the conversation gets a little hostile not really an argument first mm-hmm. I would debate or articulate my point of view, but if it comes to screaming and shouting, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I, I usually, okay, fine. all right. Well, I'm glad you feel how you feel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's, it, it's funny too, though, man. Cause it's like, again, go back to the whole social media thing, how that really does embed in your mind. You're like, again, you go scariest movie ever, best movie ever. And you go watch it. Like, and there's no real yeah. right or wrong answer now. My scariest movie I experienced growing up, uh, in my opinion, that really scared me, um, probably Candyman. <laughs> Candyman? I can see yeah, that. I miss meeting Tony Todd in real life. He uh, He's an incredible, gentle giant. Uh, but he tried to offer me some candy along with my kids, and he definitely passed. Um, <laughs> he was like, nobody ever wants my candy. I'm like, no, man. We, we watched your movie. Your voice couldn't have been deeper. In oh, every- that The voice, man. That voice creeps anybody out. Now, the one movie that did it for me as a kid that I remember, this is one that I remember. I'm not saying it's the only one because I'm sure it wasn't. Creep Show 2, The Hitchhiker. Thanks for the ride, baby. I was seen the first one. Oh, man. You've never seen The Hitchhiker one? No. Uh, yeah, Trust I need to check it out. That's crazy. Um, there's three. There's The Hitchhiker. There's one with a Native American. I forgot what it's called. I think Chief Woodenhead. And then there's one that's in like a... Um, a body of water. It's like it's like a blob thing in the water. Hmm. For the stories for that, but I, I think you would really enjoy it, honestly. Okay, yeah, I, I love checking out new. Um, and, um, and I'm not, I'm not gonna spoil the movie for you, but I'm gonna tell you the issue with the one with the blob. There was a seventy-something Camaro in there, seventy-seven, seventy-eight. Here's what bothers me, people. You guys know I love muscle cars. I don't like car abuse in movies. Leave animals and cars alone. Everyone else is fair game. <laughs> They're fair game. They're people. But when they, um, so in the, all I'm going to say is they leave the radio on all night. Car, ru- car run, car battery, you know, battery's going to die. Leave the door wide open. Like they don't give a damn about the car. Terrible people. <laughs> uh, my favorite 90s um, horror film uh, is Easily Scream, the very oh. first film. I took bring a horror movie into a whole new level, and just the that's uh, when cell phones really started becoming more profound. Um, and just the experience that was the movie that really was like I want to tell stories like that. And that was just an incredible uh, experience. Thirteen years old, seeing it in a movie theater. Um, you said you were thirty-five. I'm thirty-eight, so three years ahead. Yep. So for see for me and I know a lot of people love Scream. I don't. I never liked it. Like I just, I re, I, I respect it for what it did for horror because I know how. I mean, I know I was young. I was only ten then, but in my adult years now, I know how horror was kind of on the decline around that time. So I respect yeah. what it did for horror, but I was never a big fan. Like I was never to me, Scream's okay at best. I did watch. I'll watch all of them though. Like when the next one comes out, I'll watch. I'll go and watch all five of them, but. It's just one of those ones that it just didn't grasp with me, but that's one thing I love about that's the thing I love about movies and stuff is that obviously there's gonna be stuff that again you love that movie, me not mm-hmm. so much, but there's not like a issue over it. And not like it's just one of those things that either connects oh, with you or no, it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's all opinion at best. And um, yeah, you know, I, I you know, I respect how you feel with me. I love the first one 
for one, I love the the wardrobe and the costume. I just no, the war the, the wardrobe with the costume I enjoyed. I like that. Yeah, but the sequels, of course, start to get a little bit more preposterous, and you were like, "How in the world are are they so reckless but yet so efficient of not getting caught?" And and I think I think that was the thing with the first one, and especially the uncut version that um, probably a lot of people haven't seen. Um, but it was a little bit more graphic, and it, it showed a little more details that. Um, wasn't in the theatrical uh, or in the um, the DVD and uh, VHS release, but I, I loved Scream for what it, for what it was, and I just loved how it kind of also tied into some of the movies that we loved growing up, and it, it's kind of one of those things. Just um, everybody in Scream was great: Jamie Kennedy, Nev Campbell, Skeet Ulrich, Matthew Lillard, um, uh, even Rose McGowan. Everybody was just really on point in that movie. Um, just the characters was really relatable and stuff like that because kind of I've known a lot of people like that growing up. It was just a film, I thought. No, I like I, I, I respect what it did. I actually this is now. <laughs> it's my respect in the film. I'm not gonna say it, it was terrible and all that, but I will say I'm going with the first one because that's was more of a spoof of it. I liked scary movie better than I liked Scream. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was the best out of the spoof movies too because all of after that it became that became like a very yeah. popular thing. And again, once you have like an original idea like Scream, then of course you have a lot of films that come out similar that's not as original and not as good. Um, it's kind of like um, Halloween opposed to Friday the 13th. Like, I love the success that Friday the 13th had, but to me, Friday the 13th was never as superior as the Halloween movies. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, <laughs> but I love the, the Michael Myers uh, much more than Jason. And I'm, again, we're opposite on that. Jason's my favorite slasher, but it's because I think it's because Jason would, Jason would easily beat him. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, but when I always heard who would win between them, I'm like, why is this Michael Myers? See, for like, um, I think what it is with me with the connection with the Friday the Thirteenth franchise is growing up. It was on the Friday the Thirteenth. Growing up as a kid, it was always on TV and it was on the USA Network and it was on for that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yes, of course, it was all the good scenes were cut out, but it was still cool to see Jason on screen. And then when I was old enough to have like to see it on tape or to get it on tape or no, I bought actually I purchased it on DVD when the DVDs first came out for Friday the Thirteenth. They had a little box set. Yeah, I remember getting that. Watch it that whole weekend, and I was just like, I mean, I've I've seen the real movies before then, but it's cool to get to see those movies. Like you see them on TV as a kid, then when you get to see like the the VHS version, people. For those of you if you're too young to know what a VHS is, it's a tape. You put it into a thing called a VCR. Yeah, rewind it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. You keep it for years, watch it to death, and never get to watch it. The other thing, you have the VCR used to take, but I will I will say this: the first Friday the Thirteenth was amazing, and I felt like if it was me, um, I would have uh, I would have continued on with Jason as a kid for a little longer, or just in general. Just in general, because. Um, you know, dying an eight-year-old as a kid and then coming back a six-foot-something monster is, is a bit of a difference. <laughs> but but it, it, it was one of those things. And, like, I just think Jason would have been more terrifying as a kid. Like, when he came at the end of the first one and drug her under the water, that was creepy. Yeah. yeah. I agree. 
And just the way he looked and how he just looked like he's been in the bottom of the lake forever, I felt like that would have been more intimidating any day opposed to um, when he was an adult. He just never uh, intimidated me as an adult, like the way that Michael did. I could see that, like creep, because it's creep, more of a creepy factor. I'll say this, though, just to make a little funny of it. As a kid, do you remember those little dinosaur things we would get? They're like 50 cents or a quarter out of the little yeah. machines, and you put them in water and they expand. That's what happened oh, yeah. to Jake. That's how, he, that's how he, uh-huh. became, he was in water for all that long. He just expanded. You see? Yeah. No, I, and again, <laughs> and, and it's like it's, everybody has their own cup of tea, and this is not me knocking off because they are far more successful than me. Yeah. Uh, it's just I, I couldn't get into the Jasons like I did with the Halloweens. Just I understand. Even, I love with that. The Halloween theme. Um, you know, I, I even like the newer Halloween, um, the, From- the sequel, um, James Jordan Green. Um, I really like that one, like that scene where they come to the uh, mental in- asylum and they hold up his mask and he just never budges. I just felt like Michael Myers was just as creepy as he was in the original first one, and that was probably the best direct sequel, um, like Saw Free Boot I've seen. I agree. With, I, can, I can agree with that. Like, I do I do enjoy Halloween, don't get me wrong. And it's just, again, it's it's that era where you had, you had, I call them the big three, you had Jason, Michael, Freddy, and people still have debates about who's the best and all that other stuff and just the best movies. Realize, like, without a doubt, you can't compare any death uh, count to Jason. Jason had like a hundred and something deaths and then he was just... And there's two movies he wasn't even in. Kill he didn't kill in the in the original Friday the Thirteenth or in Part Five. Well, the original and he well, that's right, he didn't because I like he did kill the girl when he because she out. yeah because she ended up in the hospital. Yeah, so you're right. Um, I know that's crazy. Friday actually has the least count out of all of the three. Um, but I I, I did like Freddy. Um, story wise, I feel like out of story wise. The Nightmare on Elm Street was probably more superior out of the three. Uh, I, I yeah. love the originality to it, and Robert England was just really incredible. Um, again, like I said, he he made me afraid to go to sleep. And uh, love the Dream Child. The third one was easily the best. You know what? Um, with Friday the Thirteenth, what was I going to say? That's one story though. Like you know, at the, at the beginning of. The first few, they're always sitting by the campfire telling like the mythos or the yeah. legend. Yeah. I never get tired of that. Like, I just, because it's it's one of those things where it would like be fun to sit around a campfire telling that same story. Of course, minus all the other events that happen after. I don't want that shit to happen to me. But just the story <laughs> is so cool. <laughs> no, that is relatable. That is something that, you know, uh, me and my wife and kids do every fall. We go and go by campsite and tell stories and it's just that that feeling that I think is is very relatable that I think we all can like kind of reminisce of things. It's kind of like a childhood memory and it's almost engraved like we if you ever boy scouts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing I do like about the Friday the thirteenth aspect, just the uh Boy Scout uh aspect of you know, um, when I remember when I used to go out and camp and stuff, I used to be afraid if, um, you know, Jason's going to catch me in the middle of the night or something like that. Um, but my all time favorite horror movie of that time, um, I'm kind of a minority in it, but I absolutely love Child's Play. The very first Child's Play. 
um, Tom Holland and Don Marcini is just, it was just a great movie. Um, just everything about it and how they shot, how they shot it uh, using Ed Gale as the, um, you know, stunt double uh, for Chucky for some of the human movements and stuff like that. It just everything they did to really create that movie. Uh, was just really really good because they had nothing but issue after issue making that movie um, in a pre-production process because the original name to child's play uh, was supposed to be batteries not included but steven spielberg was directing a movie at that time called batteries not included so uh, and then just the drafts of how many uh scripts they went through to get the story that they end up going with um which the newer reboot child's play kind of went with the original idea that don marcini um was doing so um they kind of uh, stole his idea. <laughs> what did you really quick? What did you think about that? The remake? It's a good movie. Separately, not looking at it into original, but yeah. it was a very emotional reboot um, because I kind of really felt like I was on the side, uh, and, it, and it was a very uncomfortable feeling to uh, experience because. As Don Marcini got the green light from Sci-Fi to do his show, he was doing more, and he was literally going to do more sequels. Um, uh, MGM kind of basically did a remake as he was in the middle with his franchise, and it kind of made it awkward because it was hard for Don Marcini to market his film, and it kind of took away from the thunder that he was doing with it. It was like, he didn't, he didn't really, they didn't really get the blessing from him. They kind of took his ideal and it was just a very, I thought very not so um, noble move. Um, but again, all of that aside, um, the movie was, it was not bad. Um, I did like it in some ways. But it does not hold a candle to um, the original. The original, not not even close. Um, yeah. I did like what they did do with it. At least it was a remake that they tried to do their own thing, um, but it just wasn't as good as uh, Tom Holland's uh, house play. I'll, I'll I'll add on to that though. I'll say I again I did enjoy the remake as well, and I I like what the, here's what I like what they did with it too because I feel like they were trying to draw it more towards. Maybe like maybe teens slash early twenties people that maybe people that have never seen it and they're doing it with the stuff with the technology because that's what's in now versus us yeah. with toys and stuff and I, I did like that about it I did like that but I think my son made the most uh, the, the biggest legitimate point to the movie uh, he said he felt that Andy was a little too old for that toy. If they would have probably went with a younger Andy, I think it this would have worked a little bit better and more believable. I can agree with that. I can. everything else with the movie, I I did like. Um, I liked everything that I mean, everything they did with it. It was to me, it wasn't one of those. It's this uh, versus the old remake. It felt like it, it was its own film, and um, there were some elements about it that I liked. Um, but it was its own standalone remake, and at least that they didn't completely copy and paste some remakes like some remakes have. Well, I, I, from what I heard, I heard they couldn't legally. They could like if they would have did. There are certain things they wanted to do but couldn't, or else they would have gotten sued. Yeah, like they got dolls. They had to call the buddy doll. They hit the name of the job because Universal owned those rights. Um, and you know, it's it's crazy. Like um, 
Yeah, it was it was a one thing. If, I guess if I was a studio, I probably would have passed. And especially I felt like because majority of the fan base was loyal to the original uh, franchise. Yeah. And again, it was a, it was it was kind of like a bad uh, divorce. I, you're deciding which parent you want to live with. <laughs> I mean, you'll need to go back and forth. <laughs> Absolutely. But I want one last thing I want to say about the child, the child's play remake or reboot, whatever people call it. I think it is better than a lot of the sequels. See, and I, and I agree with that because to me, um, out of the Child's Play franchise, it was the very first one. I love the second one, and I love the third one. And after Bride of Chucky, which was not as good as the original trilogy, but it was still a respectable note. Cena Chucky, um, the Curse of Chucky, and uh, the Cult of Chucky. I, I just, I don't even, I don't even really add it to my. Uh, I yeah, I don't really. It's just, I'm... yeah, I get it. And I, I, the funny thing is, like, I honestly enjoyed those two, the, the last two, um, the Curse, and what was the other one? Uh, the Cult of Chucky. The Curse of Chucky, I liked way more than the Cult of Chucky. The Cult of Chucky, I love the story aspect to it, but the last two that was done, it, it was more it. I was told by Alex Vincent that they didn't do any CGI on Chucky, but it's really hard to not think that they didn't because it did look a lot of CGI that was added to it. But he was on set and he said there was no CGI. So again, he was there. I wasn't, but that's the way it looked to me. I just didn't think it looked as well as um, the first trilogy. And just when you're used to certain production value that is put in, you know, put into the film, and then the last two films does not look like that they pumped the money that they did before. It just looked more like a fan made film rather than the actual uh, films. And then, that's my take on it. No, I agree. I agree. Speaking of films, I know you have some things in the works. I've been seeing. I do. I have quite a bit in the works. Um, the one thing about the pandemic that did uh, one, the one positive thing, it did kind of help me reevaluate and structure what I wanted to do. Um, I have uh, locked in into the works and um, it was just an amazing because uh, amazing experience. Just when I um, got back on Facebook, because I did take a, a little while off of Facebook, um, it was just a very toxic year from, you know, this, the election and, and this, um, seeing everybody argue back and forth between politics. And then you had COVID-19, which was his own separate entity and downer. I had a major surgery, um, you know, last year that, um, so it was just something going on. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to take a little mental reset. And, um, you know, of course I, I just, I, I got tired of not creating and, it really started to sink in. And then I'm like, I really need to get back. So of course I made a few phone calls to see what was the Kentucky regulations of going back to work. And it really wasn't any, um, anything that you couldn't do. Um, no, it was just more like, so us as a company, we have to take precautions and stuff like that. And, um, so we're doing all of the things on that aspect to take uh, proper precautions and stuff. But you know, now that every, um, everybody's vaccinated and everything, um, well, I wouldn't say everybody, but majority of people. But Kentucky doesn't have a policy where you have to be. Uh, so I, I can literally work with anybody. And as long as um, we're following the CDC guidelines, we're good to go. But that out of the way, um, Locked In is not like no other uh, script that I have done. It is um, 
it is like a real good story about friendship and just um it's like two women that are like from opposite um from society you have this real you know church going girl from um the other girls stripper um and 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 they're they're sitting in this they're like captive and they're they're literally are being tormented by this guy who is literally uploading videos and content from the dark uh to the dark web and it's just kind of really going into that element of human trafficking and what is our biggest problem that we face at the 21st century the biggest crime of um this how a lot of people are doing this right under our nose and it's just people are going down left and right and it is just crazy that a lot of people aren't really truly aware of how deep and how uh, common it is for human trafficking like i mean there were had videos of kids getting snatched like out of you know thin air in broad daylight and it's just um it was a movie i really wanted to make um and but i wanted to play it like I wanted to do it in a respectful manner and it's kind of really it's kind of a hard way to, this is a very tricky film to do because if you do it wrong you kind of can send the wrong message and thinking you're glorifying it. but the car the hard reality is is um you know um i have a daughter and um that's very terrifying to know that there are so many uh so many people who did our end on it that are getting busted left and right and then there's so many people who are untouchable that have been doing this for years and um, so I just thought that I really need to tell this story because it is something that is absolutely uh, relevant to today. Um, and I felt like there has been films in the past that have touched on it, but I don't think not the way we are uh, going in on it. Like we are really going in and this is not going to be for the faint of heart. It's kind of was the uh, struggle that Tarantino had when he was filming Django Unchained. He was very uncomfortable of how to tell the story about slavery in the way that hasn't been told before. And, um, you know, he's like the only way you can really do it is just by doing it. So this is this is what we're doing. Um, and the first person that I, I really got a, um, a hold of um, was Robert Mukes. Um, he, he was saying how he really wanted to work with me. And I was just in heaven. The fact that Robert Mukes awesome. wants to work with me. Um, and I, I was more than excited. We almost worked on Beast of the Field, but it just didn't work out. But uh, we, we've been talking from day one and he read the script and he absolutely fell in love with it. And he was like, this is, you know, he has uh, two daughters himself. And he was just saying, this is a story that really needs to be tell, told. And um, he is, he's been really working super hard with his acting coach on everything. And he, he's coming back with questions and um, this, Seeing him in House of a Thousand Corpses and watching him on Westworld and just um, watching him on NCIS uh, Los Angeles and, and I would have never thought in a million years I'd be at the point where I could say, "Hey, I'm working with Robert Mukes," and um, it's just incredible. And and then the people who are going to be um, acting on screen with him, uh, Amber Amber Don Fox, I worked with her in Beast of the Field. That girl is a very hard worker. Uh, she is just always like promoting and then being a mom and then graduations and then going to conventions and then um you know she she wears so many hats and she does so many things and you could just you would never think that she's stressed she's just constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and i love, love her work ethic and uh just to know when the camera rolls she goes um, 
Amber Donox to whatever role she's playing. And, um, she's so prepared. She always carried these notes. And she, I, I tell you, she wasn't an actress. She would be an incredible journalist because that is what she reminds She's like, okay, so I had a question about this character. So you want this or not? And my second question is, is I'm just like, man, this is great. Like, because as a director, you know, um, you want people to take uh, who you cast as serious as she she does. And, and she is just like so great. And just all of the uh, movies that uh, she has made that I've seen her in, in each movie, she just ups the game. And it's just like, she's she's going places. And just um, all of the, I mean, all of the success that she has accomplished in the last few years and how quick she's coming up, it's, she's just destined for greatness. And she just kind of has that uh, Hillary Swank um, vibe to me. Uh, uh, but yeah, working with her is just incredible. And um, it was an announcement that I did want to say for your show that I wanted to give you exclusive and um, who I've been working or who I've been talking for the last year about getting to score our film. I've uh, been in talks with Rocky Gray, um, the band, uh, the drummer from Evanescence uh, for the last year. And we have finally worked a deal to, uh, where he's going to score the film locked in and so it's going to have that really dark theme i've just been a big fan of the group evanescence it was always my favorite band growing up and just to really be talking to somebody that you just absolutely was just um you just looked up to him and just loved his music growing up and then you know him reading the script and just saying that i really feel like i can really score this movie really well <sighs> i mean this <laughs> It's a great day uh, to be a filmmaker when you are really starting to reach out and being able to talk to people that you really always wanted to talk to and work with growing up. It's just, I am so blessed. Um, you know, me and my wife have always worked super hard to get where we are. That's see, now stuff I love hearing stuff like that. And thanks for breaking that exclusive on Horror Research 30, by the way. That's awesome. People, you will get exclusives. You will get exclusives here just like that. I think that's freaking awesome right there. And, it's just yeah, like I was I was wondering how I was going to announce that, but I was like, I really want people to see how excited I am to announce that I will be working with Rocky Gray um from Evanescence and just I mean feeling it and, and seeing some of the movies that he scored. That, that guy has talents for days. Uh, and you know, he's just a very humble guy. We've never known that this guy has toured around the world and, and just you know, made some incredible music. This, I mean, the guy knows how to play those instruments. It's just, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I'm so shocked and so honored at the same time that I'm working with him. And like I said, I was geeking about it a few weeks because it did not feel real. That's not, that's really awesome, man. I definitely want to say congratulations to you on that. And I want to say he's also getting to work with you, which is a dope yes. thing. Yes, no, he, um, he is. I mean, he was he was very about the project, and again, everybody I've talked to about this concept, everybody, it's it's just like a, a serious tone that you know we're all talking about. And then uh, Shannon Curtis, you know, I'm sh I'm shooting at her dad's location, and he's just willing to build things for me that will really give the movie um, the, a much more uh, sinister tone and. Um, you know, talking to my special makeup effects artist and my DP, just every, I mean, everybody, everything that I'm asking for and everything I'm wanting to do 
there that's going beyond and over to uh, really make sure that they get that for me. And um, my beautiful wife, you know, working 16, 18 hour days just to really um, all of my notes and everything that I'm wanting to communicate that with everybody else. So everybody else, you know, gets my vision and just how important the pre-production process is because the pre-production process is all about communicating and making sure that everybody is on the same page where everybody understands the vision and the stories that we're trying to tell. I, I, this pre-production is just the, um, the big deal breaker that really makes it break a film. Now, would you ever, cause I know you like the psychological things, but would you ever do a slasher film, like a straight up slasher? Um, yes, I would. Uh, I, I would. It just have to. It have. It would have to be right, and it would have to be um, the right feeling. And as a matter of fact, um, I really have something uh, in the works with that. Uh, awesome. that I, will, I will talk about more in depth soon. Uh, but let's just say, um, I just got me a confirmation from the copyright uh, department, and. Um, I will go ahead and give a hint, and it is called Widow's Web, and it's about a killer mail order bride. Ooh. That's going to be the slasher that I plan on doing. It kind of is more inspired by the movie Orphan uh, slash, um, sorry, I'm Mary Axe Murderer, but more of a serious dark tone. Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting. I'm very excited about it. This is a project that um, me and Liam Maya Nugent, uh, and now her new name, no, she's married now. Her new name is um, Ost, uh, Maya Ost. Um, sorry, Maya, if I butchered that, if you're watching, but it was a concept that we came up with a long time ago, and it's just been super complicated of getting just the concept and everything, because I really wanted to shoot the movie overseas for a cameo, like of how she gets here and all of that and how all of that happens. But it is so hard to get a permission to shoot a movie in China or in um, Russia and all that good stuff. Yeah. 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 So that being said, I don't think that's going to happen. I I would probably choose something like that in a studio where we can make it look like that. (laughs) um, I do. Those movie tricks. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, that's, that's why I love watching Film Riot. Um, Ryan Colony is really good at showing you how to make techniques and, and ways. Also, Studio Binder is a really good... I watch those religiously every day. I get up 6 o'clock in the morning every day, um, and I watch two hours of film documentaries and uh, things that really help me as an artist. I love watching uh, each director's... Um, you know, kind of their little take on how they their process of making a movie, mm-hmm. and I've realized how much in common I have. A, um, I, there's three filmmakers that I absolutely love their process, and that is David Finch, Steven Spielberg, and Quentin Tarantino. Nice. Is there a reason? Is there like something? Yeah, I'm sorry, I put I left out the sure David Fincher. Is there something that you pull from them or just? Yes. Tarantino, as far as the details and the story aspect, he is the best uh, writer director, in my opinion, that's out there. Quentin Tarantino, uh, just how everything, this, like how natural his conversations are and just his plots and stuff like that is just really, really uh, phenomenal. 
Steven Spielberg, I don't think nobody as a director sets up the camera and make it just a normal scene uh, as interesting as Spielberg does. David Fincher, I love his um, his truth um, in writing wrong in the storytelling, like Fight Club. Um, my favorite movie that he did was Gone Girl. That was just like how he just captivate and isolate the characters. And all of his characters are really interesting. And like, they kind of have like that, um, that that process with themselves of like uh, right or wrong. They're not perfect characters, but they kind of go through a lot. They're just they're so relatable that you can really watch through them. Like even watching Seven, uh, Brad Pitt's character and, and Kevin Spacey and Morgan Freeman. It was just everything about that movie was just really good. But Gone Girl for me was just his best movie. It was just something about that movie that I loved, and it was probably one of my favorite movies that Ben Affleck actually acted in. Oh, nice. Besides Changing Lanes. Angel Lane's with him and Samuel Jackson is just really, really awesome. Samuel Jackson's a freaking that guy's just yeah, he's Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh his best movie acting was Samuel Jackson A Time to Kill. Um that was his best performance. Now his most iconic character, Pulp Fiction, of course. Oh yeah. And he lets the motherfuckers fly in every movie. And the thing with Samuel Jackson, oh, yeah. like, see, but now that's kind of getting annoying though, because they're like, "This Samuel Jackson to say this." See, I was just about to say the opposite. We're just we're just on opposite ends today, man. Because I was going to say he always gets it fit, and I just enjoy that of it. But I do see where I, I do see where you are coming from with it being overdone. But I just enjoy it because it's just one of those things that you're expecting it. I'm always I'm always expecting it in the Avengers, but I'm like he can't say it in this movie. <laughs> Well, the close thing you got to that was Bruce Lee. You flew to space. <laughs> yeah. But um, when, when I seen the new uh, Spiral film, when he, you know, it was like he won't play games, motherfucking boy. Uh, how was that? I didn't see that film, by the way, but how was that film, in your opinion? It was a little stuff. It was kind of, it, I mean, I feel like it's a franchise that is being milked um, very okay. hard. Um, it just to me the Saw movies wasn't as interesting to me after, since after the trilogy. There was a few Saw movies that I thought like Saw Six was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the best, like the closest to being as good as the original trilogy. But like now with all of the stuff that they're trying to add, I do like the cin- cinematic aspect. I did think Chris Rock did a pretty good job in the movie. He did because um, it was kind of really weird seeing him in a very serious role. Um, he he did um, put a different spin onto it, but it just doesn't compare to the original trilogy. My next question to that is: Do you think the that movie, do you think you'd have enjoyed that movie better if it came out closer to when like all the other ones were coming out? Yes, because I think we kind of like now because uh, Jigsaw came out four years ago. I felt like that they were a little too spaced out, and it's kind of missed this timing because it's a whole new audience, it's a whole new generation. And I liked when they were pumping them out every every year. Um, yeah, yeah. That's actually that's one aspect that I loved about that that franchise is it was always around Halloween. They were putting out a new Saw movie, like you were saying, every single year. And then we had the span. And then after they put out, I forgot the first X amount. Then, like you say, Jigsaw just came out four years ago, and now this comes. I, if they were to put them all, I feel like it missed this mark. I, I really do. Some sequels, sometimes they work out better that way, like uh, The Incredible 2. It was a really good time sequel, although it felt it was way overdue, but it was still uh, 
for almost 20 years later, it was a pretty good sequel. Um, you know, but some movies, especially horror, it just sometimes it, for the most part, it doesn't work. Um, because a lot of times generate, there's very few horror franchises where it's seasoned well over through the years and they still can make films like that. Uh, but a lot of them that try, they just don't do as well. Yeah. I mean, what you both mentioned earlier was, well, you mentioned earlier, sorry, is Halloween. They did a really good job. But again, they told the story from 40 years. It's like this is 40 years later, and it's a direct sequel to the original, which I do feel like they could have made that sequel after part two, even. I know the whole. I did too, because I felt like the sequel of the original Halloween 2 was nothing they could have ignored. But I do see why they did do that, because they kind of wanted to get rid of the whole Sam Hain uh, slash the direction they were going, because the original yeah. Halloween 2 was setting up an uh, era that kind of fell with the, the 4 and the 5 and the 6 uh, sequel, and then they tried to fix it with H2O and then Resurrection. Just, yeah, their, their franchise was all over the place, so I did like how it was just a direct sequel, and it took place right at the, or it didn't take right place after the first one, but it basically the story wise, yeah, yeah, exactly. It didn't make job. It's yeah. you know what's funny is I remember I was actually leaving. I left the con. Well, it was the last day of the con. It was a Sunday. Left the con, and we were about maybe twenty minutes from home. My wife and I we were just like, "You want to just go watch Halloween? <laughs> like, why not?" I was, I literally, I was, I was, I was and the fun, what makes this even funnier though, right? So we 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 went and watched that. Right after that, we went and grocery shopping. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because I called my one. He lives out in Colorado. But I called my one brother, and uh, him and his wife. I don't know what they did during the day, but they went to see that movie and went grocery shopping like right after because we didn't call each other to talk about it. And we're like, yo, grocery shopping with the wife. When I get home, I'll hit you. <laughs> it's like one of those type of deals. It was just. It was one of those things where, like, I didn't call him, I didn't text him, I didn't even, I don't even think I posted about it until I was actually in the theater about watching the movie. If I did post about it, I really don't remember. Probably did, but it's just funny how certain things like that actually work out when, especially again, horror and then just like someone you grew up with that's into the genre as much as you are. Oh yeah. And then on him, it's just like, yeah, man, I'm. I literally just left the movie. I'm getting ready to go grocery shop. Blah 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 blah. Which is just still funny to this day. But that was. That was that's the only single that I can honestly think of that I seen that really that I really enjoyed. That was you know within I'll say I'll give it like a ten year mark. Like if it's a sequel after ten years, you better knock it out of the park. You have yeah, to knock absolutely. it out of the park. because you you know you got a lot of people who are different. You know and one thing I I really liked about the Halloween um, forty years later was um, a filmmaker colleague. Of, um, I never worked with him. I always wanted to, but he is a uh, local native. Um, Dale Miller. He he was uh, he done stunt work on that film, so that was really neat. And I was so happy for him uh, that he was a part of that because uh, he's a big filmmaker. Or he's a big filmmaker. He's a big fan of Halloween. That's awesome. You'll work with him one day, man. Just oh yeah. Him. Oh yeah, no, we, we 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 communicated a few times of trying to get. Um, I, I would love for him to do stunt work uh, because he is really really good at that, and he's an incredible actor. He's an actor too, um, so he he's he he's he's very multi talented. That's good. See, I love that. I like that too, and I, I like how you credit him for being a great stunt 
you know, stuntman and then also being a great mm-hmm. actor. Because I feel absolutely a lot of stunt people who do the stunts don't get enough credit. I, I agree. I agree because he he's actually been advocating uh, why Hollywood and the Golden Globes and the uh, Academy Awards don't even have a category for stunt. Um, there's some stunt people who have died on on production for doing things to make for us to love the things that we that we we see in movies, and they don't even have a department where they can be. Oh, the best stunt guy who almost killed himself go to. I do agree. It does need to be more of a, a wider range of awards, and I think that is one that really needs to happen. I feel like that, and I feel like horror needs to be a lot more respected when it comes to those big awards too. Not just its own. Yeah, you know, like it's like horror movies are never taken as seriously. But and and for me, I'm on both sides with that because I the thing I love about horror besides the storytelling and all that is that it's the outcast, and it's not like the in even to this day. I mean, it's, it's more, way more popular now than it was then to an extent. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I won't say more popular. I'll say more accepted. I think that's a better word to use. Yeah, I agree. The outcast, and I, I love that about it because it's like it's a whole nother world. It's it's not like anything else. It's not like any other genre of film. But at the same time, you can mix any type of genre of film in horror, and like I was saying earlier, and not be wrong. Great, ex- I'll give you a great example. This is a movie that people you watch this show, you listen to the podcast. Terrible movie, but I freaking love it. Horror comedy, Thanksgiving, not a killer turkey. That's not going to work in any other genre where you're going to tune in that and watch that movie. You're not going to watch like a Marvel film of like Super Turkey. I'm going to skip this one. I don't know what you guys are doing. You know, um, see, but see, the thing is that I, I feel like horror should be taken more seriously because almost everybody started out in horror. Jennifer Anderson, she started out from Leprechaun. Then you had, uh, you know, Horace Fishburne, he was in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Uh, you know, you got so many great actors, Drew Barrymore, Firestarter. You got so yeah. many people who started off in horror to where they are now. I mean, horror is kind of a branch where everybody, I, I wouldn't say everybody, but majority of people have started. Even if it's just a t- Kevin Bacon. But yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. You're absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's an awesome thing right there. And it's like, it's it's just crazy because it's it's just like these big name actors were in these films and it's something that, here's another funny thing about that too it's something that I probably wouldn't want to see them in again to an extent because of I don't like when they put big name actors in horror movies because it's like you already know he's gonna survive like LL Cool J in any horror movie he's in I'm not saying he's a bad actor because he's not but it's like yeah, yeah he got like a clause of I can't buy which I get you know, it Halloween H two O when he got he got shot like he did, and then at the end, he's like, baby, yeah, I, I got a story. I'm like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, like, it, it's just one of those things that's just like, uh, it's... I don't want to see those type of... I, I don't want to see those actors in those type of films just for the simple fact of that being able to... Like, it's like, okay, more than likely they're going to survive. When they don't, it's awesome. Oh, just yeah. because of the fact that it's, it's so predictable. It's like, okay, he's going to survive, blah, blah. It's the same corny story. Doesn't really matter what happens. Somehow he's going to survive, and it's it gets Maybe, old. To me, I would have been honored to come out with a really cool scene. Say it again. I said, see me like I guess if I was someone like LL Cool J and I was playing the Halloween, and like I was going to get killed off, I felt like I would have been more of an honor. Yeah, me too. I'll say, just don't let me die first, because you yeah, know don't die first, but 
you know, but then, I mean, even if I did that first, it'd be, it would have been a classic Drew Barrymore and Scream. Nobody thought she was going to die first because she was the uh, name sure. that was on the top villain that you thought she was going to be in the whole movie and she died at first. You're like, holy cloud. The reason why I say that as far as in LL's case is because of black people always dying first in horror movies. Like, we had nothing to do. We're hanging out with our friends and boom, dead. We've really been good about that lately, though, the, the last 10, 15 years. It, it really kind of died off once we acknowledged, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I could get out. Oh, I'm sorry, get out. No, no. Uh, thanks for the kind words, Chase. I'm guessing this is. Um, who, who said that? It says Facebook user, but I'm guessing this is who said it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Amber. Yeah. <laughs> I I love I love that girl. She is like an incredible. She's um, awesome. And like we we click really well. Um, everything that I'm usually thinking, and I, I kind of I call and would um, I would kind of giggle, and she's like. What what do you got for me, Chase? <laughs> like she already know I'm thinking something uh, morbid, but she is so um, she's like very much a team player. She really goes there, and she loves the challenge. That's what I love about working with uh, Ember Don Fox is that she loves yeah, the challenge. He's awesome. Piece of the field, which um, still to this day was an incredible experience. Minus um, shooting that movie in the middle of a hurricane uh, was. An experience like no other. I have never shot a movie outdoors for one, and then the movie that we did uh, shoot. I mean, well, I shot outdoors, but not the whole entire film. Yeah, pretty much ninety-five percent of the movie of Beast of the Field takes place outside, and oh, it rained wow. every bit of every day, but one day. And the first day, um, it looked completely different from the rest of the film, so we had to go back and reshoot a lot of things anyway because it didn't work. Um, but just the fact that, like, all of the rain and working with Gregory Blair, he was such a, a perfectionist and so awesome to work with. And just looking at his credentials and then looking at his uh, resume as a director and he's an award winning, it was, it was a little intimidating because, um, you know, I don't have none of those, I didn't have none of those credentials at the time. Um, and, you know, the fact that he was so humble and he did not treat me any different. Um, and I went to him with ideals and stuff like, how would you, how would you do that? Um, and he had a, a lot of great insight for his character, Lester, because he was casted on very late minute. Um, um, that was the scary part was a lot of the original cast. Um, other opportunities came and I took on bigger parts. And I, I literally was last minute scrambling through my phone on um, who to use. You know, Amber was a last moment thing as well as Gregory Blair. And, um, that was very scary. Um, it's it's very different from this movie where I had all of this, you know, locked in stone way before I even went public announcing. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of people I was um, going to work with originally, and then this didn't work out. But I feel like everything happens for a reason, and you know, Gregory Blair and um, Amber Don Fox really knocked it out of the park. I also loved working with Tori Beckham. Um, this was his first two uh, dramatic films. Payday was his first, and Beast of the Field was like, but he really, really kept his, he held his own ground with um, everybody. You would thought that this man had worked on many, many movies. I mean, his, his acting chops was on point, his timing, his deliveries, um, him being really into the moment 
Corey Beckham was really awesome to work with. I worked with Patrick uh, Allred before. Um, I worked with him numerous times. Out of all actors, I probably worked with Patrick Allred more. I worked with him on uh, Peyton's Burden, which was my interracial love drama. I worked with him on Retribution, which um, is kind of sitting on a shelf because we had so many audio issues with that. Um, I then I worked with him on Payday and then uh, this movie. So I worked with him so many times and, you know, it's like we know each other so well. I, I don't really have to tell him much for him. I already know what I'm wanting to do. Um, Keith Nicholson, I, w I worked with him on Marvelous Mandy and he um, he was one of another uh, last minute uh, casting. Um, and I was really, really worried because the role that I had him fill was one of the, like, if this role didn't work, it was kind of one of those things that was um, going to be impossible to do. And it's just, it's amazing how everybody clicked on set and how we were getting drenched on and it was raining and no one was complaining. There was, I really thought everybody's going to be like, Chase, this is bullshit, <laughs> you know, but everybody loved every minute of it. And we were just getting so much, um, so we were just all taking it in and loving it. Um, one person I did get to work with uh, that I've been with for years is Ashley Nunez. Uh, she worked with uh, um, on a movie with her brother uh, called All Through the House, the best Christmas horror movie I've ever watched. Um, I got to work with her, and she was just incredible. Um, just to work with her, and and you know, um, I met her in LA along with her brother um, for when it, actually this film festival that I went to in California. Um, and they had um, a film out through the house that won um, almost every award that was there, and it was just incredible. See, the, I, lo I love hearing that, and I love how you're shoot shooting out a lot, shouting out a lot of people. Like, that's awesome that you do that. And Amber, filmmakers, man, and I love to spread the positivity. I, I don't really understand why some some communities were, you know, just a lot of trash talking one another, it's a lot of hating on other people's success, and it's like. There's so much room for everybody to get theirs where there's no reason to hate another person for what they have achieved and what they have gained because they worked super hard. Nobody knows how hard these people work, but the people of them. And, and it's like, you know, I, I always hate when people say them some things and you're just like, like, you're like, man, I just got this new Lexus. Must be nice. And you're like. Yeah. I've worked all of these late nights and all these long hours to get everything that I, I've, you know, I've gotten. And, and you know, there's very hardworking people. So I cannot hate on somebody for all the hard work that they earn to get where they are. Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I agree with you. Will Smith, said, Will Smith said this in the pursuit of happiness. I got two words for you. What do you do and how do you do it? <laughs> that is more me. Uh, when somebody does something, I'm like, how did you do that? You know, and, and now we'll learn to try to do it. Yeah, exa exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Like, it, it is it is kind of weird. And at the same time with being in the horror community, as far as just podcasting, like, I see some of the issues with podcast, other podcasts, other podcasters, and then some of the issues with the indie film scene. And I'm just like, I don't, I get, now, here's, here's my thing. I get you don't get along with certain people. You're not going to like certain people. That's 100% fine. But then supposed to be personalities, but no reason to bash them or what they have accomplished. No, not at all. And the way I, the way I the way I work is if there's somebody that I'm not cool with for whatever reason, and if it's something like that's, I won't say serious to the fact where it's personal, but something to where it's like, all right, I feel like this type of person kind of uses people for their. I'll let other I'll, if I'm cool with you behind the scenes. I'm like, listen, be careful of this person because, but I'm not going to bash them on social media. I'm not going to do all that. <laughs> 
that, but, that is a whole different separate entity. That's that's closed doors, and like I said, everybody. I have people that I feel exactly the same way, like what you said. Um, but I won't go and never disrespect them publicly. I mean, there's even been some people where I don't even like them as a person, but I love their work, and um, you know, and I'll, I'll give them a shout out. Um, Again, you can still not care for someone, but still respect the the art process of what that person has done. I mean, that's just that's 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 human nature, you know. Yeah, very true. And the, the bashing thing, though, I find funny because it's like one day you guys are bashing each other, you hate each other, and then two weeks later, your best friend, I'm like, it makes you look stupid. It does. It's kind of like a relationship on Facebook where you talk trash about them, and you go single the relationship, go to relationship. Yeah, it's like just. Keep that Why mind clean. Talk about him, okay? <laughs> exactly. Like just, it's like just yesterday you were talking shit about. Like I, had, the post is still there. Just yesterday, not even yesterday, a half hour ago. <laughs> Make up your mind. Yeah. yeah, I try to. I try to, and that's one thing I love about um, the people that I spend my, t- you know, hang out with behind closed doors. My wife, um, you know, my my crew, like I, I do have in my life. I always try to make sure that I have people that are very positive minded. And that's not saying that we're all positive every day. It's almost impossible, but, but how you view life um, in a positive manner and not play victim mode, but more of a fighter and and push through things. I I like being around people like that because those are the type of people who are going to really make you into someone twice as um, more successful than you ever dreamed of, but versus, you know, uh, being around people who are just super pessimistic about everything. I agree. Um, can't do it. I, I can't. Got a, I got to lice all that shit, man. It's just get away from me. <laughs> That's not my. It's not my story, man. I'm. I'm gonna try. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, every day you wake up, that is uh, the universe believing in you to push to that. So I try not to take no day for granted because. And no. I'm glad you said that because like my whole thing is I'm like, for me, I'm, gen- I'm not saying I'm never down. I'm never mad. I'm genuinely, I'll say 97% of the time. I'm genuinely a happy person. Yeah. Same and here. What you just said is like, when people are like, why I'm like, we're having this conversation. I'm talking to you. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I, I have, you know, I have a job so I can take care of my help, take care of my household and the family. I have a roof over my head. I have food. I have, I have the necessities. There's things that I want that I don't have yet, but I have the things I need to survive. I have that. That alone is, that alone is good. That alone is great. Right. And especially, you know, as an American, I am 90% richer than everyone. I mean, like 90% of the world, um, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of people would, would kill or die to be where I'm at. And I, I definitely don't take that for granted. I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in a position where I'm, I'm very blessed and, and, you know, I, I'm definitely very fortunate and I, I don't take that for granted. And um, I definitely um, very working very hard to where, um, you know, this telling stories for a living to me is just always something I knew I wanted to do even as a kid. See, and I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome because like it's I like how when people get into stuff like that because of a passion like it's not because of a dollar amount like oh i want to be this i don't care about the money i love just telling stories man yeah you know the money the money is nice because we all do have to have it but me as a person the best things that i like to do 
of my free time is for, I love going walks in the nature. I love reptiles. Anybody that knows me, know oh, I see you basement full of reptiles. I have like 90 something reptiles. Oh, God. Um, I love uh, going out in the creeks. I love just, um, I just love nature. I love nature. It's just something about nature. I just absolutely love just going to, um, nature reserves and, and being in the country. I'm a big country boy. Um, and I love watching movies on my free time. And I, I love, um, I love being adventurous, you know, like, uh, just, I'd like to try anything once, um, anything most things but uh yeah. kind of kind of <laughs> fly, fly with that like uh, i when people inbox me weird questions but um but yeah like i i, I me and my wife was talking about i would love to go skydiving um never mm -hmm. done it but it would be fun um you know it's just living that's the whole thing about life is just living and uh, I love telling stories and i think that's my favorite thing about telling stories is really reflecting life you know art imitates life so mm -hmm. I like telling stories that people can relate to i love doing stuff like this whole podcasting thing i love doing that like i love doing the movie reviews i love doing the interviews i love everything about it because i like to interact and just learn about others as well as showing whoever's you watching. have the voice you have the voice for it it's like you were born to do this you have the perfect voice for this this is exactly how i will feel like i guess and that was weird. I don't know if you've seen it in my background, but it looked like that light uh, kind of moved. And I was like, it's like a little conjuring. <laughs> That's a movie in itself, man. But yeah. it's, it's like, it's cool because I love meeting, you know, like I said, meeting the new people and then just reviewing movies with different people because you get a different aspect or a different perspective from different minds. And that's what I do yeah. on horror. That's what I do on horror with search 30. Cause it'll be me. Well, my one friend, James, he's my co-host, but we always invite like, Hey, if you want to come on anytime that we're recording for a regular oh, review, yeah. no, I love come, watching you. come on I love watching you. because it's fun to get those other ideas in there. Or come, if you don't want to come on camera, come in the comments and, you know, spread your love in the comments. But it's, it, the funny thing is though, is I have, we have, so it's me, my friend, James, friend Chris and friend Ibrahim. We have another show called Popcorn and Pints, very similar to this. It's just non-horror movies that we review. Oh, okay. Hence tonight, like, well, Ibrahim, he's he's creating a film. Title's not out yet, but he's creating a film, so he's taking a little break from the pod to work on that, which I understand. Oh, but yeah. uh, tonight we are reviewing Rocky and The Notebook. <laughs> I like The Notebook. That uh, gets me. That's a good movie. I watched it earlier today for the first time. And so, like I was telling you earlier, how I have a wheel for this show, a horror wheel. On that show, we have multiple wheels. We have a wheel that we that spins, which if you if you are free tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern time, at some point you'll see it in the show, in the episode. But we have a wheel. We spin that wheel to pick what wheel. And I know we have like a... Let me see if I can remember all the wheels. Names. We have like the, we have one wheel that's called the OG wheel, because that was like the original wheel we started with. We, the OG <laughs> nice. we have a chick's chicks picks which is what our significant others pick not they're not all girly movies it's just what they picked and we got the yeah. chicks picks and rocky and the notebook rocky was a good movie rocky Chosen. was a good movie it yeah it was so we have the chicks pick wheel we have the og wheel we have a wheel called um cheese and crackers and let me just and we have another one called chicken and grits i'm gonna explain this for the people that don't know our sense of humor so there's four of us two black two white 
cheese and crackers, white, <laughs> you know, chicken and grits, black. So I, knew the, I, knew, I knew exactly where he was going when you said the chicken and grits. <laughs> yeah, just make it fun and funny. And that's just how our sense of humor is are like, off camera, we're a lot yeah, worse. You know, like we all grew up on the South Park. I yeah. really don't understand the um, generation uh, offended. Like, it's like you almost can't say nothing anymore. And it just takes away the fun of the cultural experiences that we yeah. all are going through as Americans. I'm, I'll, I'll put it to you guys like the, I'll say I'll still say certain things that I say even live. I'll tone certain things down because I know there is certain things I do offend people, which I get. I do 100% get that. But at the same time, I would I just wish that my whole thing is like everybody wants to create an equal. Right. So when we crack when we crack jokes, I'm saying crack jokes, not being offensive, not trying to oppress anybody. I feel that should be across the board as well. Like if you can do it tastefully, if you can do it funny. Fun to me, funny's funny. Like I don't get offended if I hear a black joke, as long as it's told funny for race jokes. I I tell right. them. Like, <laughs> I but I've heard some. I mean, like again, but in the eighties and nineties, when George Carlin used to do it, um, you know, Eddie Murphy, Raw Richard Pryor, they all was tasteful and but funny. I mean, it's just some, just something relatable, and and it's just like a perspective thing. I just feel like today society is you can't really have any conversations or really poke fun at anything now. And it just kind of makes the, I, it makes I, it more I, awkward I, to talk to somebody um, outside your culture down because you are afraid that you might say something that might offend them. And it kind of makes the conversation more awkward now um, yeah. more than before. Um, I don't know. It's more I, of a slippery slope now. It's one of those things, the way I look at it, as far as when it comes to like creating art, like movies and all that stuff, if the movie, if you feel like this movie is offensive or it bothers you, change the channel, turn it off, don't watch it. Same thing with this podcast. If you feel like it's offensive, you don't like it, watch another one, listen to another one. I'm not offended, but like, I don't care. I'm not offended by that. It's I understand. The of stepping on dog shit knowingly. Like, you, you see it, but you still step on it. Yeah. Whether exactly. you can walk around it. And, exactly. um, that's the I thing. Like, I see something I don't like or something that bothers me. I don't try to boycott nothing. I just will simply move on and just, you know, I'm off my day. Depend. I mean, of course, you to a serious matter, then I understand that. But when it's just like movie. Right, right. I mean, there are some things that are kind of, but again, freedom of speech, in a sense, that was the reason why there's an amendment, number one, for that, because it was not designed to protect popular speech. It was designed to protect unpopular speech. And again, whether the joke is uncomfortable or distasteful, again, if I don't like it, I would simply just change the channel. I agree. See, here, I have two things with that. I agree with that 100%. And then I also feel like, yes, there's freedom of speech, but there's also consequences to certain things that, like, Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Not, not even like joke wise. Let's just say if it's somebody out and about. Let's say like for the the whole race thing, like somebody being significantly very racist, saying certain things to people, which we've all heard growing up, especially if they oh, yeah. get punched in the mouth, you got punched in the mouth for running. You know what I mean? Some people can walk away. Like I'm the type of person nowadays. I'm not going to knock you out. I'll walk away. But I have a lot of Caucasian friends that they don't find that funny at all. They're just like, right, I'm going right, to. And it's and it's one of those things where it's sad that it's sad to say that you're used to hearing these like when people I don't have it now of course but I'm saying like right. it's sad to that I'm used to this just ignore it they're only talking they're not threatening they're not you know coming towards us so just ignore it bunch of cowards just doing that but right other than that it's just like come on like again that's why I said if you're not trying to uh, personally offend somebody like hey you I this is what I feel about you this is what you are and I mean that as far as like their sexual orientation, their race, whatever. This yeah. is what you 
That's, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, because again, I've heard some really stupid things said of me. <laughs> but yeah. you know, instead of getting mad, it more was like, I, it made me do an Owen Wilson take. Wow. <laughs> like that came out of your mouth that stupid. Yeah. Um, and I guess I, I kind of more laughed in their face rather than letting them really uh, upset me. But again, everybody's different. And uh, I can see, like, how you said, how that can be a slippery slope. It, it's it's growth too though because like for example like i told you guys i'm 35 now back when i was 18 you say something crazy like that i'm gonna knock your head off at oh, 35 yeah. i'm gonna walk away and i'll even say maybe even maybe 17 16 17 18 but like for me which i'll make this one short but for me like my father is i think he's what 78 now wow. he grew up in the South. He, he's from north carolina and he grew up in the south mm. and his team yeah at 20, he's been up here since he was about 2021 20, ish. But what he's seen, what he had to deal with from me growing up, what I seen, what I had to deal with was nothing compared to it. So that's nothing compared. Definitely kept, kept me like calm in a sense of not going over the edge too much to where I'm going to get myself in like legal trouble for certain things. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let you talk down to me, but I'm going to find better ways than throwing my fist to say something to you or, you know, to get my point across. Oh, yeah. See, I, th- I think the biggest problem in America right now that I, I see, I just don't think we've really truly had a really heart-to-heart conversation about um, all minorities in general and this the things that, you know, it just kind of was like throughout history, you had the 60s, the civil rights, then racism is over. I don't think that I don't think that it's a lot of people to truly um put themselves in other people's shoes to, to know what it's like to be a white person or to be a black person or to be a Muslim or to be a Mexican or to be a Cuban. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, though, what I think will bring us more together is that to realize that we're all a culture people. of uh, people and we're all a culture of uh, immigrants. We all descend um, somewhere else. And I think that that's kind of the, the thing. I think it's like too much in, uh, and, and separating, but I think we have a lot more in common than we think, and I think that's the things I like to focus on because I have friends of um, different cultures, uh, mm-hmm. different you know, sexual orientations, and, and when we get along just fine. But it's some of the things of things that unite us rather than things that divide us, and I think it's all about how you choose to look at it. Same here. Same here. Those same type of friends, all those. I guess you'd call them inappropriate. I call them funny yeah. still, but it's, yeah. it's it's just like, and again, this is with people that you're cool with, that you're friends with, that you're making these jokes back and forth. It's not you're just making these jokes just to make these jokes because you don't know certain people that way. What oh, yeah. I, I will say this though, white people, and I'm sorry for this. I'll finally apologize. What I used to do back when I used to work at like, um, and retail and stuff like that, probably even after that and definitely before it, but just tell a wild, crazy race joke in front of like, it would be like somebody that I've met and just talked to a few times at work or whatever. And they would just stand there. Like you could tell they want to laugh, but they're like, is he going to hit me if I laugh? Right. But see, but that's the, that's kind of the problem today is like, it's kind of a double standard with that because if like Richard Pryor or another comedian was to say a joke against white people, we all be laughing hysterically. But if yeah. a black comedian says a joke about black people, then he's automatically racist. I think that is kind of creating the tension in America now. And there's, there's so many double standards everywhere. Um, and, you know, it's just like 
I feel like that's creating more tension because one can do it over with the other. And then you're having, well, look at that. They do this. And then the other side is doing, well, they're doing that. And it's just like, I mean, you're seeing that in, even in politics, like it's just so, so many double standards. And that's no matter what the person um, that's done something, they're like, well, four years ago, you all did it. And it's kind of like, kind of that, that saying, it's like, can we just come to agreements that that was wrong and move on from that? Yeah, I, I do. And as far as like jokes like that, with the comedians, like you were saying, like if Richard Pryor tells a white joke or if a white comedian tells a black joke, I feel like if it's done right, especially here's my thing too. Like if it's done right to where I'll use a great example, like a, like a Gary Owen, he mm-hmm. grew up in that type of environment of like, an, you know what I mean? Around or somewhat, he liked that environment. He liked, like, he grew up with the hip hop stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what he knows. Right. That, love and res- because it's not like he's not going out here saying n-word this n-word that it's more of well one he doesn't say it but it's like he tells like you know when i'm out with my black friend blah blah blah, blah and i get that and i'm just like yeah we do do that <laughs> and it's right. but, and then, but then he'll also you know i like the ones that can go back and forth like they'll talk about themselves as far as their own race and then talk about another race but always talk about they'll always go back to their own which i feel like is the best ways as far as com- as far as comics go for me i love the ones that can tell us a story like oh, that's why I love Richard Pryor, without a doubt. Yes. Eddie Murphy is another one that does it. Yeah. Kevin Hart is, like today, Kevin Hart is the 21st century. I feel like him, he's really, really funny. He's hilarious. Yeah. And again, it's because he tells stories, not jokes. I'm not saying that you can't tell jokes. I'm not saying they never tell jokes. But when you tell a story, it's way more relatable. Then you can really laugh at it because it's... if it's those stories where it's any race comedian that they're just talking about like a certain area they grew up in and then tight pocket, if, tight finances. Mm. Most can relate to that right there. And then you're just like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, yeah, I, I've been through these things too. And it's hilarious. Like looking back at it now, it's funny. As a kid, it was just like, oh, this, it was normal because basically, you know, everybody that grew up around you for the most part was the same way. Oh, yeah. kind of sucks, blah, blah, blah. But you look back at it and laugh. You're like, you know, I respect those days because if I ever had, yeah. I know I can survive that because I've already been through it. But I just, I don't know, man. It's people got to learn. I feel like people need to learn how to take things less serious. Focus on and focus your attention on things that are a lot more important. Don't worry about what somebody tweeted 10 years ago trying to get them canceled. Let's worry about what we can do for the future to make it, you know, better for everybody. Let's stop looking in the past. At, yeah. uh, look for the, the, truth is, the truth is, we all have said and done things that we wish that we can take back. And I don't think it's to cancel somebody over something they've done that they most likely are, I'm sure, are probably sorry for um, and, and over I mean, 10, 15 I mean, years ago. And, and on top of that, again, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, there's different times where not that it was right. I'm not going to say that it was right for certain things that were said or done, but just mm-hmm. in that time period, it was, I'll say this in quotes, it was just accepted more. I'll say that. Well, then, but we all we all go through periods and time in our lives where we might feel this way, and then you know, ten or fifteen years later, you evaluate and change uh, your views. I mean, that is human nature. Where I I've been five to six years ago, I don't think like I was like five or six years ago. Which um, is, nope. If nope. you like this, if five years ago and didn't make any changes, you need to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. And I say five because a year, two years might not be enough time, but you know, five years, it's like that that middle mark of like, okay, I, something has to change. I have oh, to yeah. grow. 
And then another five years later, you got to grow even more. Oh, yeah. Man, I really hate to cut this short. My dog is like going nuts. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. He's barking at. I don't know if you hear her. I, I don't, but yeah, that's probably fine. I was just, I was kind of getting worried. I know you see me looking around, but I, my, um, my wife and kids went to the store so I could continue this interview, but I, I, I just want to make sure my dogs are. <laughs> no, that's and, fine. Um, I, I, I was like, man, I really don't want to cut it because I could talk about this for forever. I, I love, honestly, conversations we're talking about is stuff I love talking about. But uh, it's like when I hear my dogs, I'm like, you know, like, it's um, it, it, I get. It's like when you hear your kids, you're just like, "What the hell?" Are they yeah, my dogs are my. They are my kids, and then yeah. I know today was like 81 degrees, and they ain't been out all day, but they've been out like a couple hours. And I'm like, "Are they barking because they're thirsty? Are they hungry?" And I'm like, "I don't want to be that guy where <laughs> I just." I was like, "Man, I hope people don't hear that dog barking." <laughs> um, yeah, yeah no, we definitely got to do this again because again, by the time. Um, we talk again. I know there'll be so much more things that, of course, I can talk about. There was a lot of mentions that I wanted to mention on this show, but of course, the uh, still waiting on some contracts and stuff to, to be signed. And I, I'm I don't like uh, talking about things that have not been contracted, superstitious like that. But um, I was excited about to talk about Rocky Gray and just how excited I am about making this movie locked in and really going there to uh, really uh, create a, a powerful story about. Um, you know, um, women bravery and and just some of the um, actresses I've got lined up for this project. That's going to be really, really incredible. And working with Robert Mukes, I'm I'm just very excited to be working with um, people, talented people like that, man. That's all. See, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. And I do want to say this really quick, Amber. If you're still watching, I want to go on here again, please. And Chase is going to be back definitely. But we'll definitely be doing this again. And like I said, man, I definitely want to get you on for a review as well as another interview. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Just anytime you Absolutely. just and anytime All you right. want to do this again, man, let me know. Absolutely. I definitely will. And thank you so much and have a nice day, brother. Thank you. You too, man. All right. Bye. As always, I'll see.